couple of advances Justin got. And Cameron Kennedy. And we are here with the Between the Uprights NFL show. So, finally, on Sunday, we had something that we've been waiting for for months and months. The first day of the full uh, NFL football schedule. It was awesome. We had games at 1, 425, and 8 o'clock. We also had two Monday night football games and the season opener on Thursday night. So, I know that was... I know that was a cause for celebration. So uh, this week, we're going to be going over those results. We're going to be going over some big picture takeaways. And we, then we've got some uh, game picks for week two and our gamblers corner per usual. So without further ado, let's get into it. Uh, no better place to start with last week's results than the defending Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, beginning that defense with a win over the Houston Texans. Why did you see out of this game that really impressed you? Honestly, the rookie running back. I mean, to come in and start your NFL campaign with over 100 yards, a touchdown, and you didn't look lost at all. Great draft pick, great fit. Patrick Mahomes hasn't skipped a beat. Sammy Watkins went off. I think Sammy Watkins is going to have a really good year this year. The fact that they have to give so much attention to Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. I think he finally has a year where he's consistent. And he consistently gets those good numbers. So, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I I was watching the entire game and I heard the halftime coverage. And Tony Dungy made the comment, and this really stuck out to me. I made note of it. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire looks like work done. And if you watch him play, he really does look like work done. And going into the Monday night games, he was the only running back this week to have over 100 rushing yards. Christian McCaffrey didn't do it. Ezekiel Elliott didn't do it. Saquon Barkley on Monday night football sure as hell didn't do it. He got nowhere to um, So that, that was a pretty impressive performance. But also, I was really impressed by how the Chiefs looked on defense. They were starting a rookie cornerback, Legeria Sneed, and he was really impressive in his debut. Overall, the Chiefs only allowed seven points through the first three quarters of the game. They The final score was 34-20, but this which game I call it, it would be about a 10- to 14-point game. Yeah, But it all came through game script at the end with the points. It wasn't through what the Texans were actually doing when they were playing their offense. And that is a really good sign for the Chiefs. They're more than just an offensive team. They are going to be a complete team. Yeah. And that's what they really struggled with last year was, yeah, you have Tyron Matthew in the backfield, but their run defense was just not not there at all. And I'm pulling for the Chiefs because, you know, I have no team right now. But And this game was not as close as the scoreboard said it was. True. And I got to give Deshaun Watson props. He did what he could with what he has, but he doesn't really have that much. When your number one receiver is Brandon Cooks, I'm sorry. You're not really going to go anywhere. David Johnson looked really good until we saw what New Hopkins did, and we'll cover that later. Yeah, but Uh, can he maintain that? True. Moving to the Sunday night primetime game, the Rams (laughs) opened up the brand-new SoFi Stadium with a win over the Dallas Cowboys, I don't think either of us saw it coming. No. But in the first game, nothing changed between Marthy and the clapper Jason Garrett. It was bad decision-making, bad play calling, and they could not stop short passes from the Rams. What did you see out of this one? 
for a def- for a, a organization that prides themselves in defense, how can you not stop a screen when they're running it nonstop? Just the different players, like you know what's coming, and you could see the defenders knew it was coming, and they still couldn't stop it. The Dallas offense looked subpar, and they shouldn't look subpar with the the offense they have put together. Prescott didn't throw any picks, but he only put up 17 points. So the thing that really was a big takeaway that I noticed was in the offseason, the Rams lost Brandon Cooks. And when the Rams made the Super Bowl, they set a record for most possessions or highest percentage of possessions in 11 personnel with uh, three wide receivers, one tied in and one running back. And that was all we knew the Rams for. And we also knew them for just having one bell cow back, which was Todd Gurley. And with losing Cooks and Gurley, I was really interested to see how this Rams team adapted and what Sean McVay did. And they seemed more complete on offense than anticipated because they at backfield in the backfield rotated Cam Akers and Malcolm Brown. And then they also ran a really good balance between 11 and 12 personnel, which allowed for them to split – uh, snaps between uh, Josh Reynolds at wide receiver and Tyler Higby at tight end. And that was a really impressive look. It showed that McVay is evolving as a play caller. And I think that's going to end up really helping this Rams team a lot. I have a question for you, though. How long do you think they can get away with just throwing these short passes and screens? So I, I think that's going to change over the course of the year. I think they're going to, and it's going to be an overall team thing. Most teams in the NFL, a lot of teams were doing the whole death by a thousand cuts uh, mentality to throw in the short passes or running the ball more. I think that's going to change as the year goes on when quarterbacks and receivers have more time to click. So uh, that's something to keep an eye on. Now, in the one o'clock games, the wildest thing I personally saw was the Lions choked away a huge lead at home to the Bears. They were up 23 to 6 in the fourth. And then Mitchell Trubisky decided to become Steve Young. What did you see out of this one? I know you're living in Chicago. What was the reaction like there on the ground? Okay, so for, I'm with all I'm with all Chicago fans shooting our movie, right? And they all had it pulled up on their phones, and we're watching and we're keeping up with Trubisky stats because we're we're like all of us thought by halftime, you know, he'd be on the bench. First quarter sucked. Second quarter sucked. Third quarter sucked. And then all of a sudden, I get home, and he threw three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. I'm like, um, somebody really doesn't want to be on the bench, but I think it's still coming sooner rather than later. Because you're playing Alliance. Okay, cool. You play a team like Green Bay, the Vikings, basically any other team in your division other than the Lions or half the teams you have to play outside of your conference, that's not going to happen. And the Lions should have won this game had Swift not dropped the ball in the end zone. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you saw that Swift drop. Yeah, that was embarrassing. Yeah, uh, the Lions have serious uh, cause for concern here. I mean, yes, DeAndre Swift dropped that ball in the goal line. But at the same time, if you allow three uh, fourth-quarter touchdowns to Mitchell Trubisky of all people, that is really – that's really serious as a, a team that you have overall mistakes. And I mean, 
So I heard a lot of people saying that this could be a dark horse playoff team and what have you coming out of the preseason. And you talking about I the Lions or the Bears? I said that Matt Patricia be, be the first coach fired. It seems clear after the first game that I was a lot more right than what those so-called experts were saying, yeah. that um, he, they're a lot closer to being bad than they are to being good. I agree. I feel sorry for Matt Stafford, too. But they have talent. They just don't know how to use it. Yeah. So they need a better now, play calling. They need a better offensive scheme, period. Defensive, too. Now, that was really surprising for a quarter. Oh, yeah. How about really surprising for a game? You the don't. Packers beat the Vikings 43 of 34. <laughs> now, we knew that the Packers offense with Aaron Rodgers is always capable of going off. But why do you have to say about Minnesota just going out of nowhere and hanging 34 and somehow finding a way to get beat when doing it? I was impressed by a lot of players in this game. Aaron Rodgers, I called it previously in our podcast, he's going to have an MVP season. I don't think he wins, but he's going to put up the numbers. Adam Thielen, which I know you drafted. Yep, he's the owner. That shocked me. Six receptions, 110 yards, and two touchdowns. And on the other side, Devontae Adams, 14 catches, 156 yards, two touchdowns. This was a game for receivers. And Aaron Rodgers threw the ball 44 times for 364 yards and four touchdowns. He took full advantage of the fact that Minnesota has a lot of young cornerbacks, and he made him pay for it. Over and over and over and over again. It was really fun to watch. I mean, I didn't actually watch it, but I watched the highlights when I got home. But yeah, expect a lot more of this from Aaron Rodgers this year. He, he's going to make them regret drafting that quarterback in the first round. So the thing I thought was interesting was Green Bay was on fire for the whole game, on offense at least. Minnesota, they didn't get clicking until the fourth. Now in the fourth quarter, they did hang 24 points, which is... Pretty impressive for anybody. I mean, shoot, the Chiefs hang 28 in a quarter and we all lose our minds. So, hanging 24 in a quarter, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, but this showed what I, I was really concerned coming into the year about what Green Bay would have in terms of their draft just completely throwing it away. With drafting Jordan Love in the first round, with drafting A.J. Dillon, who is the third string running back. In the second round, I was really concerned that their team would not be able to hold up this year and that they would not be prepared. That did not happen. This team went off. And if Aaron Rodgers, who seemed to be fired up for this one, is able to bring this intensity week after week, I think we're going to see, as you said, him have an MVP-type performance. Now, I'm going to let you go first on this next one. And then I want to have the floor because it is literally everything I've been talking everybody's ear off for months. The Cardinals oh. upset the San Francisco 49ers in the first game since the Super Bowl for the Niners. I want to – I'll let you have your opinion, and then I just want to take the floor on this one and just go off. First of all, I want to start with Texans. What the hell were you thinking? Honestly. Yeah. DeAndre Hopkins, 14 catches, 151 yards. That's what you gave up for David Johnson. Just just want the Texans to soak that in for a minute. Kyler Murray looked really good. Not only did he throw for 
230 yards and a touchdown. He also ran for 91 yards and another touchdown. And as you can tell from this past week, it's really a mobile quarterback game this year. You look at Cam Newton went off for the runs. Josh Allen was running. Tom Brady even scored a running touchdown. Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson was running like crazy. You got to be able to run if you want to play quarterback now. It was a really good game. And it's the first time since 2015 that the Cardinals have a winning record. So, I said before the season, Kyler would be the MVP. I agree. And also, 49ers have zero receivers. When your running back is your top receiver for the game, yeah. you got problems. But they did just sign Sanu, so we'll see. I talked everybody's ear off for months that Kyler Murray would be the MVP this year. What does he do in his first game? As you alluded to, 230 passing yards, 91 rushing yards, and led this team to a victory in San Francisco at the defending NFC Conference champions. Mm -hmm. He was going off in that re-auction game and really was able to make uh, his presence known on the ground. New cop was already clicking with him, which I thought it would take a bit for. And Dude! Yeah, I was wrong on that. Uh, I thought Kyler on his own is going to be a couple weeks before, you know, him just playing like he did last year before yeah. he clicking with him going off. And, and that, he just immediately connected there. And I think there's also some serious concerns for San Francisco. Yeah, Kittle's out. Too, they have the wide receivers. And and this is a team that we've seen is better when they pass less. The best example of this is look at how they blew out the Packers in the NFC title game last year, despite Garoppolo only throwing eight passes. Garoppolo threw the ball 33 times in this game and got beat. The defense is also way more concerning than it ever should be. They had no answer for Kyler through the air. They had no answer for Kyler on the ground. They had no answer for this offense. And if you're expecting defense, you've got to put up some sort of an effort. They did not do that. The, this team just completely came out flat. I said before the season they would miss the playoffs. It looks clear they are going to. This was just really, really everything I've been saying was going to happen just coming to fruition. I'm just like, yes. Hold on. Before we go to the next game, I have to say this. Out of 230 total receiving yards, DeAndre Hopkins had 151. 49ers are only going to get worse because George Kittle suffered an knee sprain in this game. He's going to be out for yeah. a couple weeks. So now your number one receiver is Mohamed Sanu, who just got cut by the Patriots after one year. Yep. So right now you can only throw to Sanu and a running back. Yeah, because Debo Samuel's still out. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I just had to throw that out there. You're uh, good. Embarrassing. Now one really uh, interesting and feel-good storyline. Washington, the Aww. Washington football team, won their first game of the season after being down 17-0 to Philly. They came back and won 27-17. <laughs> so let's talk about first the on-the-field stuff, and then let's talk about the off-the-field stuff. Because there was some really interesting off-the-field stuff in this game. First of all, <laughs> Eagles, what the hell? 30 total yards of offense in the entire second Half. What are you doing? Honestly. They were choking like a hooker on Saturday night. Yeah. Um, Zach Hurts, I don't know where you were at, but you let this dude come in who I've never even heard of. Dallas Goddard? Yeah. Eight catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown. 
Yeah. I'm hesitant because I want to pick him up for fantasy, but I feel like it was a fluke and I'm not going to do it. Because I I have uh, Gronk and I'm about to drop him because that was terrible. But Haskins, I got to give it to him. Down 17, you stay poised. You didn't panic. The entire team didn't panic. It shows you what a good coach can do to a bad team. You get Riverboat Ryan, and you're just like, guys, relax. We can do this. We've been practicing. And you, a team that was supposed to go by NFL experts, 13-3 and this year, the Philadelphia Eagles, you blow a 17-point lead, and you get a 27-0 run to end the game for the uh, Washington football team. So we talked about earlier the Lions having a bunch of talent, just not knowing what to do with it. I feel like that's the same thing with the Eagles here. And the, the difference is with the Lions, it's due to the coaching. With the Eagles, I think Doug, uh, Doug Peterson is a really good coach. The problem is they have nothing on the offensive line. They allowed uh, eight sacks of Carson Wentz. And they have really bad luck with injuries. Uh, we saw Miles Sanders miss this game. Boston Scott left during the game. We saw um, Jeffrey didn't play. The season, Andre Dillard, the left tackle end up getting knocked out for the season. Like, this is just a recurring theme with this team. Alshon Jeffrey was not playing due to injury. And uh, I was about to ask if you knew what was up with him. The biggest thing that can help your football team out is just being able to be healthy. Yeah, be on the field. You. Do your and job. And if you can't do that, then you've got some very serious problems with your team. I will say this, though. My biggest concern with Washington is the running back position. True. They ran the ball for 80 yards, and their top rusher had 36 yards. It was 36 by Gibson, 29 by Barber, and then Haskins on seven carries carried the ball 17 yards. And then the, some other dude I've never heard of, J.D. McKissick. J.D. McKissick. Yeah, three carries for negative two yards. So, so you, you got to find an answer for the running back. So that was the on-the-field stuff. However, off-the-field, I thought this was really interesting. So Ron Vera, who was battling cancer at halftime, had to receive a regularly scheduled IV in order to uh, continue coaching in the second half. So, who stepped up in the locker room to give that halftime speech and rally the troops? Dwayne Haskins, the potential franchise quarterback. Good for he him. stepped up with the speech, and he was able to lift the team. Now, I think this is a really good sign for someone who we had very serious doubts about whether or yeah. not he could be a leader of men last season. I think that this shows that he is capable of doing that, and uh, this this is a really good sign for the future of the Washington football team. Yeah, and he needs to do that at the quarterback position. You're the leader of the team. When things go wrong, they look to you. It doesn't matter if it's offensively, defensively. You're the voice of that team. It's centered around you. You need to be able to rally them up. You need to be able to build them up and not just not just take crap. Like, if you're down 17 nothing, cool. We've seen Kansas City down way more in the past. What does Mahomes do? He fires up the defense. He talks to his offense. He gets everybody ready to play, and within minutes, they're right back in the game. Now, that was an example of good leadership, but let's talk about an example of bad leadership. The Ravens curb stomped the team that we were expecting to finally make the playoffs this year, the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. 38 to 6 to start the season. <laughs> so, let's get started. <laughs> First of all, I'm going to do a little mini hot take right now. Before the end of the year, Mayfield is out of a job. I don't know who their backup is right now, but it's got to be better than this. Um, Again, last year went 22 touchdowns, 21 picks. Already, 
One touchdown, one pick. So you, you're staying consistent. You throw a touchdown, then you throw a pick. Mm-hmm. You only throw the ball to Odell Beckham a couple times. He had three catches for 22 yards. Granted, 10 targets. I didn't watch the game. I don't know if they were drops or overthrows or what. Uh, you can't run the ball. You're Kareem Hunt, 13 carries, 72 yards. Lamar Jackson, 20 of 25. Three, 275 yards and three touchdowns. Lamar Jackson, seven carries, 45 yards. He's looking better than last year, if that was even possible. I mean, throwing the ball-wise, he's actually throwing more than I think I thought he would throw this game. I think after the first quarter, he threw the ball like three times. So I was like, okay, we're doing this again. Hollywood Brown, five catches, 101 yards. I'm glad I picked him up on fantasy. But the Browns have got to figure something out. You have a great offense. I don't know why it's not working. I'm hearing there's trade rumors we're going to discuss later in the episode. We'll get on that. Baker Mayfield, what? When they drafted him, I didn't think it was a good fit. I don't like the guy's attitude. He thinks he's the best, and he's proven that he's not the best. So... One thing with the Browns was terrible play calling. This was the first coach game by a uh, new coach, Kevin Stefanski, who was a former offense coordinator from the Minnesota Vikings. And he had terrible play calling. Now, some things he couldn't help, like two missed field goals. But some things he couldn't uh, could help, like a fake punt that they missed in their own territory in the first quarter. You can't help stupid. I'm sorry, that you that is indefensible. You can't help stupid. And what's even more even more indefensible? Did you see the meme going around Sunday of the third and forty one? Oh, I saw it. And I was like, this can't be real. And then I was like, well, it's the Browns, so it's probably real. Exactly, and that's the problem with the franchise. Wait, now, so did you Brad, watch it? How did he get to third and forty one? Didn't resemble that of Freddie Soup Kitchens from last year. The Ravens still would have won. As you alluded to, Lamar looked much better as an actual quarterback. And they were able to have explosive plays both on the ground and through the air. Also, they had a really solid defense that did not miss Earl Thomas at all. However, I do think, as you do, that um, part of that could be due to Baker Mayfield just really shaking the bed. And this is just going to be – I'm going to be interested to see if this is something that continues used for the entire season, or if this is just first game, just rust. Yeah. Before we move on, did you watch the game? Yes, I actually did. So how did it get the third and 41? I didn't see that part of it because it okay. happened while I was heading to the sports bar. Okay. I just, I'll look my it up later, guess, but I just wanted to know be, penalties and sacks. My probably. guess would be like a second and six, they were in a second and six, and then some combination of penalties from there and then lost yards. Okay. Because that would be the only way. Now, also talking about teams falling flat as expectations, <laughs> the Tampa Bay Buccaneers completely laid an egg in the opening Ooh. game of Tom Brady era in New Orleans. Now, I expected New Orleans to win their better team. They're at home. No time for Tom to connect the targets. And Evans was not 100%. Even still, there were some really concerning uh, signs. Well, We'll talk about that later, but I do want to note the Saints. They got to break consistently. They were able to force mistakes out of them. And they had a strong offensive performance, but also got a defensive touchdown. 
So this was a really complete team effort. Why did you see in this one? So I have concerns on both sides. Brady, I'm sorry to say this, but I think it's coming out you're just a system quarterback. I understand you haven't been with these receivers as long, but you can still see what the receivers are doing. That throw to Mike Evans was completely stupid. You saw he wasn't even going that direction. I don't know why you threw it. You you get Leonard Fournette, who, in my opinion, is way better than Ronald Jones the second, and you only give him the ball five times. Yeah. Stupid. Uh, um, that no sense. Brady threw a pick six, and it was like a stupid throw. Like, you've been playing 20 years. You know better than to throw that pass. And then you're not on New England anymore. This is what I'm loving because you don't have the coaches – to back you up anymore because Bruce Arians completely threw him under the bus. It was like he messed up. That's on him. Literally, you don't have you don't have the coach holding your hand anymore, telling you it's gonna be okay when we'll win next week. No, now it's time you want to be you want to prove that you weren't a system quarterback. Now put up or shut up. It's and then my my concern on the Saints side, the offense struggled at times. Breeze, who's one of the most accurate passers, went 18 for 30 for only 160 and two touchdowns. I feel like age is going to catch up to him by the end of the year. I want them, I want him to win MVP. But with numbers like this, it's not going to happen. I understand you're playing the Bucks, but their defense isn't that good, so you got to figure something out. So going on to our last game to cover from the last week um, was the Steelers and Giants game, the first game on Monday Night Football last night. Big Ben came back from injury and he beat the Giants in his return game up at the Meadowlands. He looked good, and somehow, some way, he had more rushing yards than Saquon Barkley. Now, why did you see out of this game that shocked you or impressed you? Or honestly, I watched part of this game and I got bored and turned it off. Um, Big Ben did look good in his return. He was running the ball which is a good sign for Steeler fans. Connor did not look good. I'm not sure if he got hurt or whatever, but I barely saw him play. Juju looked amazing. Like, I knew that was going to happen. Barkley, I don't know what was going on. I was keeping up with his stats, and there was one point he was like 12 carries for negative seven yards. I don't know if the Steelers just figured him out or if he's just going to be bad this year, but I'm glad I didn't pick him in fantasy because all he did was catch. Like, he had six receptions for 60 yards. Okay. But you still need to be able to run the ball. If, if that's so if, I don't think it's on him. I think it's on the offensive line. I agree. They have nothing on that line. And part of that is the front seven of the Steelers has been truly terrifying. And they did allow Danny Diamonds to get his. But Saquon, yeah, he was just shut down because, you. I mean, you look at that front seven. You've got Bud Dupree. You've got Deion Bush. You've got T.J. Watt. You've got Cameron Hayward. You've got Stephon Tewitt. That is a really scary front seven. Also, did you see uh, Hayward's pick? Yeah. Yeah, I always love it when the D-line makes a pick. But that was the stupidest throw I've ever seen. I'm sorry. Literally uh, running away off your back foot, just lob it up in the air for anybody to catch. Then, uh, also, it took Big Ben a bit to get going, but once he did, it looked like the quarterback that we saw in 2018, yeah, and, and that's a really good sign. For and that's game. expected when you miss... What, an entire season other than one half of a game? Well, when your arm turns into a noodle, then yeah. you're not expected to come back from that. Yeah, I know. So uh, I thought that was a really encouraging sign for this team. Yeah, I agree. And we do have some big picture takeaways. First off, we had the defense struggling with tackling. 
which we saw as the offense had more short passes and runs. This is mirroring a lot from the 2011 lockout season, and it's really taking the death by a thousand cuts mentality to heart. Now, I think this will shift as the season goes on and tackling improves, but what do you think about this, uh, at least from week one perspective going forward? It was really weird for me because, I, like I told you, I was watching the Rams play, and I was like, why do they keep doing screens? But it kept working. And tackling was a big issue, I think. I think with practice practices and, like, workouts, they probably weren't tackling because of corona and, like, trying not to spread it as much so they could actually have a season. So I think that's a big issue on why it's bad. I think it'll get better. It's just going to take a week or two for defenders to be used to tackling again. So this is a culmination of something that we've seen since the 2011 lockout with the um, uh, collective bargaining agreement. When that lockout happened, one of the things that happened was they ended up cutting down on the full contact practices. And what you saw in the immediate aftermath was defense is being worse at tackling. And this is something that I'm with you. I think it will improve as the season goes on. But as for now, those defenses have a very serious problem with trying to tackle and you know, use proper form and technique. And that is something that I definitely think is going to be something to look for for the rest of the season. Now, also, I do want to give one quick note for the offenses. Comparing back to 2019, they uh, holding penalties were down 78% from week one of last year as well. So I thought that was a really interesting thing. Maybe it was part of fishing, but also part of it was maybe just cohesiveness and technique along offensive lines. Now, while defense has struggled, kickers also struggled mightily as well. Why do you think was the cause from this? There were obviously some notable culprits like uh, Stephen Goskowski um, from the Titans, Austin Siebert from the uh, uh, Browns, and then Randy Bullock just completely missing what would have been a uh, kick to force game in overtime from 31 yards out for Cincinnati. What do you think caused this? I don't even know because you should be able to kick during Corona anyway. So you should have yeah. been able to still practice. Gutkowski, I'll give it. He's getting old. He may have been one of the most accurate kickers before. I think age is catching up to him. But all I got to say with that is he may have missed four, but he still he still made it when it counted and they won the game. I think he can – he'll work through it and he'll get, he'll get that struggle fixed. But the Browns kicker, when you lose your job to Cody Parkey, Mr. Double Doink, you're not coming back from that. Yeah. And Browns, I'm sorry, but Cody Parkey's not your answer either, so you might as well be used to missing a bunch of field goals. Now, the Bengals kicker, I don't know much about him. But 31 for kickers in the NFL, that's like a chip shot. Yeah. You don't miss those. So I thought it was really funny with uh, Bullock uh, missing that 31-yarder because immediately afterwards he started checking his leg and seeing if he was hurt. It, it kind of reminded me, I'm a huge fan of the movie Caddyshack, that kind of reminded me of uh, Al Cervic in that in the uh, final competition at the end of the movie, hitting the drive and then just like, oh, my arm, I think it's broken. I think it was kind of the same thing that Bullock was trying to pull. I don't buy that he was hurt. Now, me saying that, it'll come out surely that he pulled a hamstring or something. But uh, I just think he was trying to make him uh, make an excuse there. Uh, if this continues, it'll be a very serious problem for the league because it makes things much more variable, and it might end up keeping the best teams from winning games. 
because if you're expected to be the best on offense and best on defense in the game, but yet your kicker can't do anything, that's going to leave points on the board. Yep. And I, I think that could be a very serious thing to look forward to. Now, moving forward, uh, another thing that we saw was wide receivers being just questionable evaluation. Uh, the first one of these, Allen Robinson is requesting a trade out of Chicago, which you're on the ground there in Chicago. Do you have anything to add to this story? I don't blame him. If they're going to start Trubisky, which everybody knows is not the answer, and the offense is lackluster, and they barely throw in the ball, I'd want out too. It's sad when you're you're the best quarterback you could have played for is Nick Foles, and they're not even playing him. Yeah. So I don't blame him at all. I'd want out too. It's Chicago. Like they don't know what to do with anything. They don't know how to draft. They don't know how to pick a quarterback. Yeah, I thought I thought that was really interesting, and I'm with you. I can't blame him for wanting out. Also, wanting out potentially is Odell Beckham. They're saying that he is being shopped out of or out of Cleveland, out of the uh, Cleveland Browns, which. Now, after what came out last week about him, it's becoming clear as to why he chose the Cleveland Browns for his uh, free agent or for straight destination out of the Giants. Uh, I think this is a really interesting rumor. I think the Browns could be a secret dumpster fire, and the just sheer talent on the paper could be the one thing that holds this team together. But why do you think about this? I'm calling it right now. He's going to the Patriots. He's he's really good friends with Cam. He's always talked about how he wants to play for Bill Belichick. I think the stars align. I think they they have something they can offer for him. I mean, he hasn't been performing. I'm, at this point, I'm sure they'll take anything. Because if he doesn't want to play and he's not performing, you got to get him out and get something for him before he just leaves. And I don't blame him. I think Baker Mayfield is a joke. He doesn't know. He doesn't know how to stay calm and not, not under pressure. And like I like I keep saying, he throws. Equal picks to touchdowns, and that's, you cannot do that and win in the NFL. And one last wide receiver to talk about, Michael Thomas had a really bad showing in week one, and he's going to the injured reserve. Now, worth noting, this year there's a special injured reserve that's only going to be for three weeks. So it's not like it's a season-gone injury, but at the same time, his start is really concerning. Do you see anything out of him that you know gave you signs of hope, or why do you think it was? Do you think it was just an injury, or do you think he could have some problems? I'm not as concerned as you are. I think it's week one. They haven't played in a while. You know, you had the whole corona thing happen. It's like, are we playing? Are we not playing? No preseason. I mean, practices were probably very limited in what they could do. I'm not as concerned. He's still one of the best. He's still the in my opinion, he's like the second best receiver in the league. I'm not concerned. I think, I think he he injured his ankle like midway through the game, third quarter. I think it's it's a hit or miss. I mean, you still have Drew Brees. You now you have Emmanuel Sanders to take pressure off of you. It's gonna happen. I think the Bucks played it played it well. They double and triple teamed them when they needed to, and they they made the Saints go elsewhere. So I'm not I'm not really that concerned. Hopefully he comes back strong after injury. And you know what? If he doesn't do what so well, my fantasy team will not be affected. Yeah, I'm, I feel the same way that you do on that with Thomas. But, um, I mean, part of it is due to coverage, and part of it is due to injury. So I'm, I'm not concerned yet. 
But if he follows this up whenever he gets back, then there's going to be some serious worry. But then. Yep. But, I yep. mean, if he does do it and somebody drops him in fantasy and I get him and then he starts to go off, hey, win-win. Now, one last thing that you added to that um, outline that I wanted to go over was this was also the first uh, game for a lot of rookies such as Joe Burrow, Chase Young, etc., um, now I'll let you have the floor on this and I'll kind of play off you, but what do you want to talk about with us? All right. So as we said, a lot of rookies played in their first game and my top four, I would say rookies performances this week would be Chase Young and no particular order, but Chase Young played really well. He got two sacks. He rushed the passer 34 times and you know, that defense held the Eagles to 30 total yards in the second half. That's really unheard of. So I got to give my ta- my hat tip my hat to him. That was really good. <sighs> Clyde Edwards Hilaire, amazing first game. I mean, the only running back to rush over 100 yards, like you said, a touchdown. He looked like he fit right in, like he's been playing there for years. Who knows? Like it looked really good. Henry Ruggs had a decent performance. I don't think top five ish, but. Joe Burrow played good. I'm not going to put that loss on him. I mean, you're on a team that's been struggling for years. I can't really blame them for losing. I mean, 23 of 36, 193 yards, one touchdown. No, no, one pick. He ran the ball really good. I mean, eight carries, 46 yards, a touchdown, and he had a 23-yard quarterback draw. So that was that was decent. C.D. Lamb did pretty good. I mean, they only threw him the ball a couple times, but five catches, 59 yards on six targets, a long of 33. So that's going to look promising if they can, you know, keep getting him the ball. Let's say Jerry Judy. I know it's only four catches for 56 yards, but he averaged 14 yards a catch, long of 25. And with how the offense was playing, still a good performance. I mean... Drew Locke didn't do terrible, but their defense was not there, which, I mean, I expected with Von Miller being out. So a couple of uh, players that I want to uh, make a quick note about that you just mentioned there. I already talked about Clyde edwards Um So the first one I want to talk about is Chase Young. I made the comment in the preseason that he is going to be a Julius Peppers lookalike, and he showed up to be that. Um, really good performance. Henry Ruggs, I think the biggest thing is going to help him is target share. He's going to be the clear number one receiver in that offense, and that's going to be something that really helps inflate his value. It's going to be the same thing with Jerry Judy as long as Cortland Sutton is out. So those are going to be two wide receivers who I was high on coming into the uh, season and who I think will continue to perform really well. Uh, the last player, the last rookie that I want to make comment on is Burrow. As you said, I, I'm with you on that. I cannot blame him for that loss. I mean, if Randy Bullock could have made a 31-yard field goal, that game would have gone to overtime. And I've, I've got more faith in overtime in a rookie Joe Burrow than I do in Tyron Taylor. Yep. Um, at the same time, you know, rookie quarterbacks in their first game usually have a really bad start. I mean, most famous was Peyton Manning. Look at how good of a quarterback he was. For most of his career, his rookie season, he was terrible. So I, I don't think that that is something that you can just pin on him. I think he did show a lot of signs of 
promise, and he he's got a bright future ahead of him. Yeah, I agree. Now, now one of the best things about week one is it gives us uh, an excuse to have irrational hot takes and overreactions. So I thought it'd be fun for us to give some of our own. First off, your first, we, we've got three takes apiece. First off, I'm going to let you have the floor with Cam Newton. Ah, my boy is back. Oh, and he looks better than I think I've ever seen him play. Granted, he only threw the ball 19 times, but he completed 15 passes. And they want to say that he has accuracy issues. Nah. Then, he rushed the ball for more times than he ever has in one game in his entire career at 15. For 75 yards and two touchdowns. He got sacked a couple times, but nowhere near as many times as he got hit in Carolina because he has offensive line now. Now, if they can get Odell Beckham, I think they're seriously a serious threat in the playoffs. But with the division they're in right now and their conference games that they play, I honestly think that they can make the playoffs this year. It, it might be like 9-7, 10-6, but the fact that Stephon Gilmore is playing, James White is playing, some of these players that have opted out have decided to play. I think that gives them basically they're in. With the expansion for this year due to Corona, I think they make it. So I want to mention they were playing the Dolphins, but at the same time, that with Cam Newton, I was really surprised that he ran for 15 times. That showed the the injury concerns are no longer there. And the, the biggest question with Cam Newton was the injury concerns. So if he's able to be fully healthy, watch out because the Cam train is coming. Hell yes. And my first hot take, the Colts are incapable, completely incapable of competing for their division and for a playoff spot. They had no passing defense on Sunday as they allowed Gardner Minshew to be 19 for 20 with three touchdowns through the air. Also, Phillip Rivers showed that he was still prime Phillip Rivers, not in terms of passing yards, but in terms of choking. It was definitely a performance from him for looking good most of the game, but completely collapsing and forgetting how to throw a football once the fourth quarter arrived. Uh, also, big concern for them, Marlon Mack starting running back. Now, granted, he was kind of in timeshare with uh, Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor, but he was the starting running back. Is out for the season with a torn Achilles. This is going to force the rookie Jonathan Taylor into a bigger role earlier than expected and force Naheem Hines into a bigger role as well. I think this is a team that everyone expected to be pretty good and compete for the division. I'm having a hard time seeing anything promising out of these guys right now. I got to be honest. I agree. I think being thrown into it, Hines did really good. He, I mean, he had a really good performance last week. But I never agreed with the Phillip Rivers signing. Ever. And, he, like, with the Chargers, he choked all the time. When they made the playoffs, choked. When the, when the game was on the line, choked. So I don't know why you think all of a sudden he's the answer to your struggling quarterback situation when he's about to retire anyway. I think you should have gotten somebody younger, maybe taking a chance on Kaepernick. There's there's other options here than Phillip Rivers. I think I think Jonathan Taylor will be ready. 
that he just needs to get more touches. I think he's a really good running back. If your offensive line can hold up, he can work magic. So for your second take, I'm going to let you have a floor with Mr. Discount Double Check, yes. Aaron Rodgers. All right. So, dude is about to have an amazing year. He, sh- he already proved it against the Vikings. In a high-scoring game, he's not here to mess around this year. 366 yards, four touchdowns. And that's against a good defense. Like, their defense is good. And I did not expect the Vikings offense to put up that many points. But he has a fire lit under him by them drafting a quarterback in the first round. I don't know if that's why they did it or if they're really trying to boot him out, which would be stupid on their part because he's a top three quarterback. Top four tops. He's worked how many miracles with this team? Hail Mary. They call him. They don't call him Hail Mary Rogers for no reason. I think he's going to have an MVP year. Whether he wins it or not, he's going to put up MVP numbers. I don't know if it's going to be his last primetime performance or if, like, he's on the way out to go somewhere else. But I'm telling you, this dude's going to have an amazing year. I mean, he put up 30 points, and I had him on my bench in fantasy. So for me with Rodgers, I, I think the best thing that helped him out was what looked like the worst thing in the draft was taking a quarterback in the first round to back him up and then not drafting any real weapons at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. That looked bad at the time, but it seemed to have completely lit a fire under Rodgers, and I think it's going to give him one more prime performance this year. It's going to be the best year he's had in a long time. When he is top of his game, he is a truly terrifying player to look across that sideline, look across that field, and see facing you in in the opponent's colors. And I I think this could be a year where he turns back the clock and gets one last hurrah. Now, my second take, the Washington football team actually has a really bright future. Now, with Daniel Snyder at the helm, it looked like everything was going to be bleak and miserable. But they pulled up some Eagles, and they were the only NFC team or NFC East team to win in week one. So they are in sole possession of first place right now in their division. Haskins took a major step forward in leadership, and he looked better as a quarterback overall. Plus, on top of that, great coaching and a really solid young court. M, Terry McLaurin, Chase Young, etc. It's something you really be excited about if you are a football team fan. I agree. I mean, I had zero expectations for them coming into the season, and I had them going 1-15. They already got the one. So I probably already lost this one, but I'm glad. I mean, I want Riverboat Ron to do good. I loved him in Carolina. I think they did him dirty along with everybody else we've talked about before, and I want to see him do good. I want, I want Carolina to regret their decision. Okay, and now on your third take, this is one that's going to take a while to discuss. We've got a lot to go over with this. Bruce Arians and Tom Brady, I'll let you have the floor. I don't think this is going to work. Um, first of all, Brady's showing that he will – honestly, just off one game, I think he's shown that he was just part of Belichick's system. I think it's – I know they played the Dolphins, but just the way – that they ran the offense completely differently because they don't have a slow-aged quarterback who can't run is proving that regardless of what Belichick has, he still finds a way to win. He still finds a way to get the most out of his players and find a way to best use them. And then you have Brady, who's throwing stupid passes, throwing picks. Yes, their first drive of the game, yeah, he looked good. But after that, 
He just looked like a normal Tampa Bay quarterback. And I don't think it's going to work. I don't think the way Bruce Arians is calling him out is going to, I think he's going to rub Brady the wrong way and he's going to win out. But at this point, you if you don't make it in Tampa, you're not getting signed anywhere else. You're 43. <laughs> I think they already took too much of a risk on Tom Brady to be 43 years old. To not know how he was going to perform outside of the Belichick system. And I don't think the receivers are going to take Tom Brady's beratement like the receivers in New England took. I think Belichick like babied them a little bit because he loves to yell at his receivers. It's not always the receiver's fault. Bruce Arians is a no-risk, no-biscuit type coach. He loves to take risks. He loves to throw the ball deep. And I don't think that Brady can throw the ball deep anymore. That was my biggest concern with this team as well coming into the season is there was a time in Brady's career where he could very easily run Arians' offense. But we haven't seen that version of him in several years. And I don't think he's capable of doing it anymore as you is, you know, it's been made known a million times. He is a 43-year-old quarterback. And there have only been eight games in NFL history started by a quarterback at his age ever combined. So... You know, I think that has something to do with it. I don't think that it, that he's a system quarterback because every system is designed to elevate quarterback strengths and downplay their weaknesses. But I do think that he is a um, washed-up quarterback. Now, one thing I want to make a note of, he threw pick six on Sunday, making it his third straight game where he's thrown a pick six do you know when and who was the last quarterback to do that? Who was it, Jameis? No, actually, no, not Jameis. 2013, wait, wait, wait. Blaine Gabbert and Matt Schaub. <laughs> yep. Yep. When you are in the same shortlist as Blaine Gabbert and Matt Schaub, that's not a good list to be on, especially if you are the... Uh, considered GOAT. Yeah, well, I don't... Here's my thing. I don't think he's the GOAT. I think he was part of the system. In my eyes right now, if we were to look at it today, I think the GOAT is Drew Brees. How many records does the dude hold? All of them? Here's my thought. I think there's a difference between greatest and best. I do not think Tom Brady is the best. I think he is the greatest because of his accolades. Yeah, but... But I don't think he's the best. I don't even think he's the greatest, though. I mean, yes, you who have has, six rings, but... You who have, has the Super Bowl rings and the overall career resume that can match up to him just on on paper? Give it a couple years, and it'll be Mahomes. Now, that I agree with. Yep. That, um, that I agree with. For right now, I think uh, uh, that uh, Peyton Manning is the best quarterback of all time. The best or the greatest? The best. So where do you put Drew Brees? Number two. Okay, but you put Tom Brady at the greatest. Yes. Because I, I've always felt like greatest is on paper accomplishments. It is yeah, a but, list of accomplishments. Okay, he has the rings. Have, well, yes, he has the rings. If you look at all the records held, Brees holds, all, Brees holds every single record. Yeah, and, and Brady's number two. Although, granted, a lot of that's due to him playing at 43 years old. Well, Same Brees reason is 40. Brees is having all the records. He's 40 years old. 
And Peyton Manning retired at 38 in his last season that he played. He couldn't throw a ball with a spiral on the same his life. Yeah. I know. Now, I remember that season. I was pissed off. Now, my last take, I think that the salary cap hell that the Rams find themselves in will not hurt them at all this season or next. Most of their pieces are locked up for the next two years. They lost Brandon Cooks and they lost Todd Grill in the offseason, but they did not affect their offense at all. They used more varied personnel, and Goff looked more like he did in 2018 than he did in 2019. Also, the defensive losses didn't matter either as they held Dallas to only 17 points. Well, I mean, so, they still have two of the best defensive players in the league. Yeah, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. And the thing is, when you're in salary cap hell, the one thing you cannot afford is to have injuries. However, you're living in Los Angeles. Los Angeles is one of the best medical hubs in the entire country. So having that to rely back on, it's not going to be like you know being in salary cap hell in Cincinnati where the medical care is eh, all right. You're in Los Angeles. You're in about the best this country is going to be. It's like L.A., Chicago, um, New York, Miami, and Minneapolis because it's Mayo Clinic. But, you know, that's something that it's not going to end up hurting them. And McVay's a good enough coach to figure this whole thing out. So I think, you know, at least for the next two years, this Rams team is going to look a lot closer to, they, to what they did in 2018 than what they did in 2019. I agree, and I'm going to have like a mini hot take in this, too. I think Gurley's done soon. Yeah. And 14 carries, 57 yards. Not terrible, but you're averaging less than five yards a carry. Yeah, that's that's not Todd Gurley. Um, I think the injuries are catching up to him. I think within a three or four years, he, does, he doesn't even have a team. Um, I would agree with that because – the record for um, running backs over the age of 30 is not that good. And, like, I agree with you on this. Like, I didn't expect a lot from the team this year. They did lose a lot on offense. I didn't think their defense would be this good. I mean, yes, they have Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. But the whole Cowboys offense to 17 points. It's kind of ridiculous. And... I'm still on the fence about if golf is going to be the 2018 golf or last year golf. It could have been just a trap game, like Cowboys, Corona, whatever. We'll see when they get their next test if they're for real or not. And I want to see if these screen passes can keep holding up because I don't think it's going to work all year. They're going to have to shift gears somewhere. Well, moving on, um, we have our week two Picks. This is our last main thing, and then we got one segment after this to get to. First off, we've got the Denver Broncos playing at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Who do you think is going to win in this one, and why? The Steelers. If you look at the Broncos play last week, just missing one receiver in Von Miller, they're not ready. True. They are not ready. They played like crap all game, and then why do you not call timeouts? You know the Titans are driving. I felt like they just thought they were going to kick it with Goskowski and miss again. You can't rely on that. And they even asked the coach in the press conference, why did you not call a timeout? Oh, well, we were going to call a timeout here, but they ran out of bounds. And then we are going to call a timeout here, but it was an incomplete pass. And then Scott Van Pelt and Sports Center is like, well, what about the minute and 50 seconds before that? 
Mm-hmm. You have timeouts for a reason. Use them. That was an all-time bad coaching uh, move by uh, Vic Fangio. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And I think Big Ben, yes, it took him a, a little bit to get back in it. But once, like you said, once he was back in it, he was in it. Juju looks amazing. I'm a little questioned at the running back position right now because I don't know where James Conner was at. But I think they have decent weapons on receiver, and the Broncos' defense is struggling right now, big time. I've got the Steelers as well, and I think they would win even if Mason Rudolph was uh, the quarterback for this team. They've got the best defense in the league. Oh, yeah. That was terrifying what they did to Saquon. They're playing at home. Big Ben, as you as we said, is back. And I've got some serious concerns about Drew Locke. The uh, loss of James Conner is not concerning to me, given the performance of Benny Snell coming in and having over 100 yards rushing, replacing him. So I, I think the Steelers have this one back. Did he get hurt? Yeah, James Conner got hurt. Dude, they just need to get a new running back. This dude gets banged up every other week. Yeah. Start my boy Trey Edmonds, please. And moving to a game that's really a variable. The Giants are playing uh, the Bears at Soldier Field. Now, I'm going to go first on this one because you're on the ground there in Chicago, but I've got the Giants picked. I think Danny Dimes finds a way to bounce back, and so does Saquon Barkley. I cannot trust Trubisky to have two good games in a row, and he, I think he kind of blew his wide in the last game. So I'm going the Giants. Look, you're on the ground. You're hearing the daily reports. Why do you say First of all, I don't count that as a good game for Trubisky. When you suck three out of four quarters, this is not a good game. You just pulled something out of your ass. I'm sorry. Second, this is really hard for me because if Barkley comes out and has a game like he did last week, it's not going to work. And here's the thing. The Bears' defense has to step up. How do you give up 27 points to the Lions? And you have Robert Quinn, Cleo Mack, Kyle Fuller, like you have a really good defense. Either the defensive coordinator needs to go, or you need to light a fire under these defensive players because it's not working. I'm going to go Giants, but it's only if Barkley shows up. I don't think he has two bad games in a row, but... And Daniel Jones cannot throw balls under pressure like that. Just throw it out of bounds next time, please. Take the intentional grounding. At least it's not a pick. Yeah. Um, uh, moving to Dallas in uh, the game, the first game of the year at Jerry World, we've got the uh, Dallas Cowboys hosting the Atlanta Falcons. Who do you have picked in this one? This is hard. I think Dallas doesn't have two bad games in a row. I think they figure something out. But it's too off. It's going to be a shootout, in my opinion. They're both offenses are really good. So I think it comes down to whoever has the ball last. But I'm gonna go Cowboys. I don't think they lose two in a row. I think I don't think they can. Or Dax, you, all your contract negotiations are out the window. So I'm with you um, that you know both teams really need to bounce back here, and it was a really tough game to pick. I think the Cowboys though will be able to find it because they've at least got something on defense, and the Falcons show they have absolutely nothing on that side of the ball, and. Despite the Falcons having the Cowboys number during the Dan Quinn tenure in Atlanta, I'm not concerned about that so much as I'm concerned about the Atlanta defense trying to match up against the weapons that Dallas has got. I mean, when you've got Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and CeeDee Lamb 
And that's not even the main part of your offense because you've got Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield, one of the best lines in the league. That is really terrifying for any defense to play against, let alone one that showed that, you know, allowed Russell Wilson to almost have a perfect quarterback rating last week on the road in week one. So I, I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys here. Now, keeping it in another dome, the Vikings are playing at the Colts this weekend. Two other teams that need a big bounce back here. Who do you think ends up getting it, and who do you think ends up altering? Well, I think we're going to agree on this one, but from what I saw from the Vikings against the Green Bay Packers, putting up 34 points, I'm going to go Vikings. The Colts look terrible. Phillip Rivers is not the answer. The loss of their running back for the Colts, I don't, I don't think it's... I think the Vikings win by 14 to 21. I agree with you on everything you said other than the last bit about 14 to 21 points. The Vikings would have won last week had Aaron Rodgers not been Aaron Rodgers. And the good thing for the Vikings is that Phillip Rivers is not and has never been Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> there are serious concerns with the Colts that I've mentioned before. So I'm going to go with the Minnesota Vikings here. Let me guess, 7 and to 10? pair of teams that are seemingly polar opposites, but I think are a lot closer to what people expect. The Rams are traveling east for the Eagles and what I call a kickoff at Link Financial Field. Now, unfortunately, one of the best home field advantages is gone for the Eagles. They don't have anyone they'll be riding on the streets outside during the game, let alone anyone that'll be put into the in-stadium jail during the game. But do you think that the Eagles are still able to win at home, or do you think the Rams end up coming away with the victory? I'm not sold on the Eagles at all after last week. That's got to be one of the biggest collapses I've ever seen. 30 yards of offense in the second half. 30. What is Wentz doing? I understand you don't have Alshon Jeffrey, but you still have Zach Ertz who barely did anything. Your defense just melted down. I think they're going to be better than last week because you can't have two weeks like that. It's just, I don't think it's possible. I think the Rams win by three. I've actually got the Eagles here. The Rams are coming out east and playing at what will be a 10 o'clock kickoff for them on their biological clock time. The Eagles need to bounce back, and I think Doug Pearson will have this team ready. Miles Sanders is, as of right now recording, expected to play which will provide a big boost for the team. And you made the comment about them only having 30 yards of offense in the uh, second half. I think a lot of that is due to the fact that Miles Sanders never played in the game and Boston Scott got hurt. With them having something in the backfield, it makes their offense two-dimensional instead of just being one-dimensional, and I think that will really help this able offense. The Rams are riding high after last week, and they're uh, poised for a flop game. I think they end up getting one to, to a degree, here. It's going to be close. It's going to be the game I'm going to be watching, but I've got the Eagles. Okay. Now, another afternoon high-profile game, we've got the Baltimore Ravens traveling to the Houston Texans. Who do you think ends up taking this one? The Ravens, easily. The Texans are missing a lot. I mean, we saw with the, the Chiefs, they struggled most of the game. They got close towards the end when the Chiefs didn't really have to try anymore. We saw last week Jackson's looking better than last year. Hollywood Brown went off. I I don't think they can stop Lamar Jackson running. 
And I think they win 14 points. So I got the Ravens as well. Did you see anything from the Texans last week that showed, or from the Ravens last week that showed them being beaten by a Bill O'Brien team? No. Exactly. But the, the running game of the Texans and the overall construction of team play uh, plays right into the Ravens' hands. I think this will be similar to the Thursday night game that we saw with the Texans playing the Chiefs. But I, I do think the Ravens end up winning yet again by 10 to 14 points, somewhere in that range. It would be bigger, but game script and both teams preferring to run the ball or like to run the ball uh, will end up impacting how big the overall score is. Now, in our marquee game of the week, our primetime game on Sunday Night Football, the Patriots and Cam Newton are traveling out west to face the Seattle Seahawks. Who do you have picked? You know what I want to say, but I can't say it because it's not going to happen. I think, <laughs> I think the Seahawks take this pretty easily. The Patriots are still learning the new offense behind Cam. They don't have a deep dart receiver. Russell Wilson is looking better than I've seen him in years. I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's a blowout, but I think the Seahawks take it by ten to fourteen. So everyone's riding high on the Patriots and Cam Newton after beating the Dolphins. However, the Seahawks are way better than the Dolphins. Oh, yeah. Especially when comparing playing at Century Link Field to being on the road. Russell Wilson last week against Atlanta looked like the best quarterback in the league, and they always have a solid running game they can rely on. This year is no exception. They've got Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde in the backfield. That was a really devastating one-two punch. Mm-hmm. I think the Patriots could definitely get the 20 points, but the Seahawks have the potential to double that, and that's the reason why I'm going to pick Seattle. I agree. Now, moving on to our last bit of the week. We have our Gambler's Corner. This is where we try to give out some betting advice and who might win, who might lose. So, why does your sport you look like? Um, Steelers, Vikings, Ravens, and I hate to say this, but Seahawks. All right. For me... I'm going Vikings over the Colts. Uh, it's 27 to 20 payout odds. So you would win on a $5 bet. You'd win six seventy-five. And then I've got two different teaser parlays. You said Vikings now, over like, the Colts. What? You said Vikings over the Colts is six. Yeah, you win $6.75 on a $5 bet. Oh, I thought you meant 675 No, 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 no. Um... So, we've got two different teaser parlays. Now, a teaser parlay, this is something I play all the time in college football. If you like a team to win, but you don't like the odds that you're getting on a straight pickup, what you can do is call a teaser bet, which is where you take a team from one whatever the spread is and then bet them down to an alternative number in order to get more favorable odds. So for me, I had two teaser parlays this week. One of them is the Chiefs are playing at the Los Angeles Chargers. I see nothing that allowed me to think the game would be close, but the Chiefs are an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. I want to tease that down a bit, so I'm moving it from eight-and-a-half to four-and-a-half. 
And I'm parlaying it with the San Francisco 49ers being a seven-point favorite coming east against the New York Jets. I'm moving that from seven points to three points. So the Chiefs at four and a half and the Niners at three. Combined together, that is a 1.16 to one payout. So it wins 583 on a $5 bet. Question. The second one that I've got is to see. Is to see. Yeah, go ahead. Do you really think the Chiefs are only going to win by four and a half points? Here's the thing. I think they'll win by more than that. Okay. But I don't want to take a chance of a late touchdown or some fluke happening and them only winning by seven. I don't want them to win by one score because if they win by one score, I'm going to be losing that bet. Okay. The second thing, the Seahawks are a four-point favorite uh, against the Patriots. I'm moving that down from four points to a pick em. And I'm parlaying that with the Cardinals playing at home against the Washington football team. Moving that down from a six and a half point line for the Cardinals down to a two and a half point line. Combined together, that is a one point oh six to one payout, meaning it, meaning it makes five thirty three on a five dollar bet. So if I hit all these bets, then I would end up coming out with about seventeen dollars in total. Pretty good week. Well, that's all the time that we've got this week. I'm Justin Cox. I'm Cameron. And we are Between the Uprights.